Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Bulls Nation? And welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast presented by PointsBet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Matt. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. That's Big Dave right there. He's on Twitter at Bow, BWL Sports. That's Will Gottlieb down there. Follow him on Twitter at Won't Gottlieb for all of his great Bulls insider info. We got our... Uh, Producer and pal Joey running the controls for us. We are, as you can see, doing remote today. That's because uh, we got a big week ahead, gentlemen, with four mm-hmm. games to finish out the regular season for the Bulls. So we will have four, count them, four pre- and post-game shows for you as we roll on this week. Lots to break down today. We're going to talk about this last stretch of four games for the Bulls, where they sit, a look at the East playoff race. We're going to talk about the Bulls' disgusting three-point shooting of late, which you could read about courtesy of Will Gottlieb uh, right now on our website, allchgo.com. And we'll wrap things up with a quick look at uh, whether or not Billy Donovan might make a change to his starting lineup. First and foremost, gentlemen, how are we doing? How is everybody's weekends? Will, you go first. You know what? I'll tell you something. It is good to be back. I'm sorry it's not in person because every single time we start up the show, you get a little freestyle from Big Dave sitting right next to you in the chair. And I miss it. Couldn't hear it today. Sorry, I couldn't. Sorry, I couldn't give it to you, man. But you know it's coming next time you're here. You know it'll be going on. I miss it. Be happening. I tell you what, I miss, man. I want to hear. Forget Will's weekend and my weekend. We <laughs> want to hear about what was going on in the suite at the Blackhawks game, sir. That the CHBO people were representing at. Please tell us what was happening. But I missed you guys. Don't worry though. I held it down for the for the you know our Bulls family as part of the CHGO sports family. It was pretty sweet, man. Pun intended. We were hanging out in one of those mid-level corporate suites. Amazing view. We were basically like right at center ice. Um, a whole bunch of our awesome uh, colleagues and friends from the CHGO team were there. Started out awesome. They had, you know, uh, Jonathan Taves celebrating his 1,000th career game celebration throughout the night, including before puck drop. And then the, the Blackhawks scored, like within the first 90 seconds of the game. And then... 
it kind of all went downhill from there as the Blackhawks lost in crushing fashion, um, uh, conceding a goal uh, right before OT ran out and they were about to head to a shootout. But still, really fun night. Uh, some members of the Blackhawks organization came to our suite uh, to to welcome us. Uh, they they gifted us a Blackhawks sweater with CHGO on the back. Um, I chatted with Danny Wirtz. It was crazy. Wow. How the hell am I chatting with Danny Wirtz? It made no sense. <laughs> He's a really nice guy, though. That's cool, man. I just saw Joey said that what was that Vinny and her t- chopping it up about 90s music? Or oh, Matt and Vinny, excuse me, chopping up about 90s music? What, what was this conversation? There were just so many 90s songs and 90s hits that they were playing like during timeouts of the game. Like when there was a stoppage on the ice, the PA system was just like 90s hit after 90s hit. And and Vinny and I were loving it. And, and uh, a few other people, shout out to Lawrence uh, of our production team. And then there, and Herb as well. Herb was digging the 90s stuff. But then, you know, Joey and some of the younger crowd at CHGO were all like, I, what, what, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable, man. You know, you got to understand, not everybody's going to be on your level with that, man. You got to be kind to the youth, Matt. Ease them in nicely. Wait, was Joey born in the 2000s? I think he was born in the 2010s. No, 2010, I, was born right, in right. Ni- I was born in 1999. And oh, this is my on-camera debut for right CHGO. Wait, right. Please tell me you please tell wow, me you know the song nineteen ninety nine. Please tell me you know that song, nineteen ninety nine. By who? Oh, never by Joey. I'm taking myself. Y two K Joey. We're we're just coming up with nickname after nickname for Joey. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. So uh, Joey, throw up that updated Eastern Conference standings. Uh, tons of NBA action yesterday. Here's where things sit now. Miami with a two-game lead for the number one seed. Boston, Milwaukee, and Philly all separated by just half a game. Mm. The Bulls back in fifth after temporarily falling to sixth because the Raptors lost yesterday, and the Bulls Mm. own that tiebreaker. Uh, The Cavs also lost yesterday, so now the Bulls back to a a two-and-a-half game breathing room space between them and Cleveland in that seventh seed. We've got a doozy of a week ahead of us, gentlemen. The yeah. Bulls have a back-to-back Bucks-Celtics tomorrow and Wednesday. Off Thursday, final home game, Hornets Friday, final regular season game at Minnesota on Sunday when all 30 NBA teams will play their 82nd and final game. Are you ready? Because I'm not sure I am. They need I'm one. Ready. The magic number is one. One. Magic I'm like, number. I'm, I'm confident, but cautiously confident that they can get one of these this week is so tough how do you have the bucks and the celtics back to back and then all of a sudden you know assuming that the trend continues where they just can't beat any of the top teams then you have two tries to win one game one of them's away we know what the away record is um i I feel pretty good about their chances of beating the hornets busevich just eats against them they don't really have a true center to to stop him um and vooch quietly had his best shooting month of the whole season in March. So hopefully he can, he can keep that going. But I mean, if you look at these last two games, the Hornets are fighting for uh, positioning in the play in, like if they end up in eight or nine, they get, I'm sorry, seven or eight, they get home court advantage in that first play in game. So they're not, they're not going to be taking it easy. The Timberwolves are in the same boat out in the Western conference. This is a tough final four games. And you know, it's, it sounds like one and three, you can, you can do that pretty easily, but I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this, man. I am not focused on any other game but this next one. 
because all I know is if they win this next one, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. It will all be okay. Everybody can rest. I can sit DeMar down. Matt can get off the ledge because they'll actually put Zach Levine on the bench. Like things will change, you know what I'm saying, as far as rest is concerned. I don't think I'll be as concerned about Lonzo and trying to get him back so fast once they clinch. I'll be like, well, he could take, if he needs to take more time with it, I'll be okay with that too. But it, for me, it's just all about this next game. And if they lose that, then it will be all about the next game after that. So I am just, that's my focus. I am singularly focused just on this next game, this one game, because they win that some miracle way. They win that, then everything's okay. Uh, you know, that that is the situation you're in. When all you need is one more game to clinch your playoff spot, the next game is the only game that matters. Uh, our pal uh, Jamal from Bull Central uh, in the comments saying that the Vooch oh. should also be able to eat versus the Celtics, who all, you know, obviously dealing with that huge loss of Robert Williams, True. who they won't have for their first round playoff series and obviously will not have for that Bulls Celtics game on Wednesday. Um, you know, Bucks Celtics is back to back is brutal. The Bulls schedule post all-star break has been about as mean as possible. Whoever made these NBA schedules back last summer, it's mean. Um, they've had throughout this post all-star stretch one of, if not the most difficult strength of schedules across the entire NBA. Um, but it is two more opportunities. Some people might roll their eyes at two more opportunities for the Bulls to prove that they can contend with and play with and maybe even beat these top four teams in the East. They've been failing to do it all season long, other than that one win against the Celtics way back in November. Uh, and I saw this. This was in ESPN's new NBA power rankings that came out this morning uh, from Jamal Collier. Uh, one of his notes, the Bulls 1-12 and 12 against these top four in the East, Miami, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. That winning percentage, 1-12, and 12, is on pace to be the second worst winning percentage against the top four teams in your conference by a playoff team in the NBA since 1984. Mm. So it it is very, very odd what we're seeing from the Bulls in that they are bum slaying like crazy, mm -hmm. but these top teams, they cannot find a way to beat them. You got two more chances on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, it's been completely odd season. So I think that just kind of goes along with it. I mean, with how they continue to rack up these victories, even though they were having Malcolm Hill in the lineup, uh, how DeMar DeRozan has been doing Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan things all season long. You know, nothing has been normal <laughs> for this Bulls team uh, this season. This is kind of like par for the course. So once we saw, you know, the sun rise, we're, we're kind of dealing with the sunset, you know, going, but it's not as pretty, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, going down, but... All I know, just one, Will. That's all I know, man. It's just one game. And you give me that one, then I promise you I'd feel so much better. Yeah, I mean, they they really need to lock it up. I was at Shooter on this morning, and it sounds like the difference, and I, and I know we've said this, but the difference between five and six to the Bulls is not that big of a deal, right? Like, you're going to end up without home court advantage in the first round regardless. Right. Um, and, you know, who knows how two through four shakes out in the top of the East. So I don't think anybody is that concerned about, you know, making sure they, they end up in the fifth seed. Um, but at the same time, you know, you want to finish your season strong. You want to go in with the momentum that, you know, they had at the start of the season where everything was clicking. Like it's really hard to just flip a switch one day. And especially like the way that they've been playing lately, it's just frankly not good. 
And so if they get to a point where maybe they string together some wins against these top couple teams and then, you know, you, you knock off one of the Hornets and then maybe you take a rest day against the Timberwolves. Like, I think that does a lot, not only for the record and for the standings, but just the, the morale and the, you know, connectivity moving into the playoffs where it's just really hard to like envision this team winning a playoff game the way they've been playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, they need to, they need to start stringing it together. And I, and I think it needs to happen now rather than, you know, waiting for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't want to back in to the playoffs and back into the sixth seed because the Cavs don't manage to win out their remaining three games, mm-hmm. which is still possible. If the Bulls finish 0 and 4, but the Cavs finish 0 and 3, then the Bulls still get that sixth seed. But I do believe the Cavs have Orlando remaining on that schedule. So unless Orlando really is getting up for that role of spoiler, I, I can't imagine that the Cavs don't get that win. Um, but they do also, there's another big game. The Cavs and Nets play each other on Friday this week. Mm. Um, and, and then the Cavs 82nd and final game is against Milwaukee. So mm. there's two big tests and two very possible L's there for the Cavs. But again, if you're the Bulls, forget the Cavs. Try to win all of win these one games. game. Win, <laughs> you know, win one of them, sure. And as Dave said, win the next one. It's mm. a tall task against Milwaukee and Boston, but um, you know, certainly Hornets. They they just got Gordon Hayward back. That's not an easy game to win. Probably your best shot of the four remaining. Um, you know, Minnesota's fighting for their playoff life out west. So. You know, um, AK here in the comments saying if we can win one, Res Caruso might be better for the playoff odds. Uh, Will, I, I saw you did have a couple of updates from shoot around this morning as far as who's resting, who's practicing, who's playing. What's the deal there with not only Caruso, but but Zach Levine? Any Anything on Lonzo yet? What's going on? Um, nothing new on Lonzo. Basically, it's pretty vague wording with the Lonzo situation, but essentially... Uh, they're going to continue to try ramping him up over the next couple days. I think Wednesday we'll have a better idea of like, well, now we're at the point where maybe he's getting to doing some sprinting. How is he tolerating that? Is there any pain associated there? So it's sort of like a kick in the can down the road scenario where we just don't really know. And then all of a sudden it's halfway through the final week of the regular season. Uh, do you feel comfortable, you know, bringing him in to play his first game back in the playoffs. So it's a very interesting situation. Obviously it all depends on the bone bruise and whether that healed during the shutdown period. Uh, but just kind of a waiting game. Um, both Zach and Caruso did not practice today. Caruso said that he was uh, coaching from the sidelines, which I love. <laughs> um, but it sounds like both of them are good to go for uh, tomorrow night against the Bucks. Uh, Zach has been listed as probable on every single back to back uh, pretty much since he came back from the from the knee injury. So I imagine he will be uh, questionable, or questionable or probable heading into that game. Uh, Caruso said the back is just like tightness. And, you know, after being out for so long, it just kind of like continues to be a little bit of a, a pain for him. And so we'll watch that. But I there was the comment there about resting those guys like if they can win this game, I would be so happy for those guys to rest. Wednesday against the Celtics and even like later on in that week, just to squeak in a few extra rest days. Um, they'll mm-hmm. have a full week off before, you know, while the play in games are happening before the playoff games start, that would go such a long way for this injury riddle team. 
Well, let me ask you something. Well, and again, I'm just asking your opinion because I know you don't know this uh, offhand or firsthand. Um, do you think the Bulls may be kind of waiting to ramp up Lonzo because they might know if they win this next game and they're in the playoffs, they might just actually let him off for this rest of this week and then try ramping him up the next week when they have an official extra week of West for the play-in tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. I think he's kind of on his own timeline at this point. Like my, and again, this is a total guess, total speculation on my part, but like it's going to take, you know, he's not going to get cleared or uh, just be pain-free and then be ready for full contact the next day. Like Mm -hmm. it's going to take some gradual, you know, build up to that point. And so I think if they get to a point where Wednesday he's feeling good, you know, no or little pain with the bone bruise. Now they can start ramping him up to get to full conditioning. At that point, they can start putting him into some contact practices. So I, I do think that the time horizon for him is a little bit longer than just like, we'll know if he's going to play on Wednesday. Um, so I, I don't think that the rest of the schedule really affects him and he'll probably use next week uh, to, to sort of get himself back into game shape, get some contact going so that he is ready to go for the playoffs. And who knows if that's even the timeline. I mean, it could, you know, very well, again, speculation, speculation here, but like if he tomorrow, Wednesday is not feeling good, like that could be it for him. Well, we know that he was feeling well enough to throw on a Jersey for team picture day. I don't know if you guys saw those tweets from the bulls account earlier today. They were all there, big smiles, looking glorious. And there was Lonzo ball in his Jersey. And I saw it and I was like, Oh, Oh, it's just a stab to the heart uh, because we know how badly the Bulls are missing Lonzo on both ends of the floor. And in particular, this horrendous three-point shooting we've seen out of the All-Star break. We're going to talk about that next. But first up, Big Dave, yes, sir. tell the people about the points bet. We got a huge game tonight. UNC Kansas Championship. Oh, yes. This one goes out to my man Jamal right here. The best way to support CHGO is to download that points bet app. And use that code CHGO when you sign up. And if you do that right now, y'all, right now, you'll get two, count them, one, two, risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all that web content. That means all those awesome stories from Will Gottlieb, all them awesome stories from Mark K, the pecking order trading mark from my man Matt Peck, and many, many, many others. You'll also get that free T-shirt from the CHGO Locker. I'm sure you've seen those shirts. They are gun out there all over our Twitter pages and social media, man, looking fabulous. All for making a $50 first-time deposit at points bet. You'll get all those wonderful things. And introducing Dramatic Falls. Yeah. (laughs) Your live college basketball same game parlay for the first time ever. You can build the perfect Live same game parlay only with points bet. You can combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, Joey, just asking because I know, I know you, do. you do. I'm just checking if he was gonna do it. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. <laughs> if you want more, you can boost your live same game parlays. You can watch live parlay live, boost live, and party live with points bet. And to all my people here in Illinois, you can download that points bet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Plus, 
during points bets match madness all users can earn up to $100 in free bets during each round just place a $50 pre-game wager and get a free 15 $20 live bet to be used for that round so what are you waiting for cuz once the game starts y'all you don't just bet tell them what they do will you live your bet life oh points bet that's what you need Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I miss Will. It's good to it's good to have that one back. Yes, sir. <laughs> ah, all these. I love that the Bulls are playing at home after so many road games out of the All Star break. Um, but it means that we don't see Will, and it sucks. I know it's like it's like two days, but it feels like months. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling along here on the CHO Bulls Pod, Matt, Big Dave, and Will. Um, Will, you wrote a great column that's up now on allchgo.com for our subscribing members. Do it, people. Um, mm-hmm. About the Bulls' three-point shooting woes. Um, and so let's dive into that a little bit. Obviously, we know that some of these guys in particular have gone cold recently. We've talked about it in post-game shows. Kobe White and mm-hmm. uh, Sumu. But as a team, look at those numbers. Ooh. That's gross. Before the All-Star break... <laughs> And after the All-Star break, you see uh, the entirety of their three-point shots, 38%, before the All-Star break, down to 35 from 1st to 23rd. Um, and the corner threes, also mm-hmm. league-leading before the All-Star break at 43.5%. Coming out of the All-Star break, almost a 10% dip, down to 35.5%. And that is good for just 24th in the NBA. Uh, Will, I saw in that column that you asked a couple of people you asked billy about it maybe one or two of the players about this this three-point shooting downtrend do do they have any answers for this because it's not just that they're not hitting but they're also not taking as many as they used to be yeah and to me that's like the bigger concern you can live with missed shots obviously you want them to be first in the league and not 23rd uh but you're also kind of like you know playing with fire a little bit where javante was shooting like 45 percent on corner threes and i was above 40 percent and i just think these guys are probably more like mid 30 shooters than, you know, low to mid 40s. And that's OK. It's OK to be hot and cold. Um, like I said, obviously, you want to especially heading into the playoffs, be a little bit hotter. But the problem for me is that bleeding into some of the shots that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, the the total volume of three pointers that they're taking is way down from both the corners. I think it was like nine and a half pre all star break percent of their total offense was coming from the corners and now it's down to eight that doesn't seem like a big difference but that's like a three and a half per game that they're not taking anymore and you know going from over you know 40 percent on those shots down to 25 you're leaving a ton of points on the table and especially when you're getting DeRozan trapped above the break and Vucevic is getting the ball in the pocket and he's looking for shooters if you're not taking those shots you're just getting it back to DeMar and now he's got to create another tough mid-range shot for himself or get trapped again and it's really slowing down the entire offense so this is a big deal uh whether or not like the total percentage of their shots really seems like it's that jarring it really is and um yeah i mean nobody that i talked to could really put a finger on it and i think it really has to do with that sort of next play mentality that we've talked so much about of just like it's okay if you miss a shot damar is so good at just putting all that behind him getting onto the next play and, you know, being ready to step up and make that next mid-range shot. Um, Pat, Io, Kobe, uh, Zach, even to a certain extent, certainly Vooch 
has been really hesitant to take those threes. And I just, I think when you're so reliant on mid-range jumpers, basically what happens is you need DeMar to score 50 free to compete in these games. And they just need some, some help. They need to introduce some variance and basically like provide some secondary scoring for DeMar so that he doesn't have to do this every game. Mm. Yeah. And I think the, <laughs> the funny thing about the corner threes one is we went from when the shot would go up, feeling like it would go in it was money. when it goes up hoping and praying that it kind of goes in you know what i mean and yeah you're right will it was cash money earlier like it was they went up in the corner whether it was javante whether it was Derek jones whether it was io they, they were hitting it at a pretty high clip and they just have fallen super hard and, and super far uh for me the biggest one uh will is is kobe uh, is, has he spoken about his three-point shooting uh, to anyone? Has he had he said anything about it? Is he not trying to change anything? Can can he put any kind of finger on what the issue has been? Yeah, he spoke after the game against the Heat on Saturday, and that was a his over seven from three game, over nine from the field, and uh, Zach kind of mentioned it too. Like he needs to keep shooting. That's that's all it really comes down to is like they liked the looks they were getting. He felt like they were open and he's a good enough shooter where he needs to basically shoot his way out of this slump. And when you compare that to Io um, or Patrick Williams, who, you know, they'll get the ball in the corner and they have like five uh, feet of space and they're just not taking it. Like I would much rather see Kobe let it rip than, you know, don't shoot, stop stop the possession defense gets reset and now you've got to do it all over again with eight seconds on the shot clock so Mm -hmm. it's tough to watch kobe miss so much um especially when like that's his thing he needs to be a three-point shooter um and i think i said on the last show too like it's really hard to justify keeping him out there if he's not giving you scoring because what else is he doing at the same time you can't really expect him to break out of the slump unless you're you know, get getting him shots in the flow of the offense. So it's just a tough situation to be in. I think he's right to keep taking those shots, but it's tough to watch right now. Uh, Kobe, uh, AK in the comments saying Kobe's more focused on UNC right now. He said he'll keep shooting. <laughs> like, look, so I don't know if you guys noticed that in Kobe's post game on Saturday after the blowout yeah. loss to Miami, as he was watching the final minutes of that Duke UNC final four game and was talking about the shooting slump that he's in and then kind of, you know, interrupted himself to react to UNC uh, holding on for that win and being happy about it. And, you know, like one of the first things Bulls fans remember about Kobe is his interview on draft night when he was really happy for his UNC teammate, Cam Johnson, going a lot higher than a lot of people expected. The wow, wow, bro moment. And it was endearing and it made a lot of Bulls fans love Kobe because it was such a selfless, just like, that's so love, bro. And it was great. And maybe this is cynical douchebag, Matt, but I hated the fact that he was interrupting himself talking about his shooting slump after an 0 for 7 night to be like, yeah, UNC, UNC, UNC. Like, dude, you just shot 0 for 7 and you lost by 20. Come on. I completely agree with you, Matt, and that's scary. But I completely agree with you on this. It It was like the time they coughed up that lead to, to OKC and Chris Paul. And then yeah. he has that buddy-buddy moment with CP3 after the game, and they're paused, they're hugging for a photo shoot. I'm like, man, CP3 just pants your ass on your home that's floor. Different. No, Come no, no, on. that's different, man. That's like his mentor. That's the guy he learned from. That's mentor, a little bit mentor. No, <laughs> that's a little different. This one, it bought, not only was he 0 for 9, but the team just got their ass whooped. 
you know what I'm saying, at home. And they got swept, you know what I'm saying, by this Miami Heat team. And even that moment you said that was very enduring, the reason it was enduring is because he just got drafted. It was a happy time. It's mm-hmm. like, y'all just got drafted by the Bulls. It was great. Yeah, and my boy point. got drafted. Yeah, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? That's joy. That's awesomeness. When you come out like that, I ain't trying to hear nothing about your college no more. You you in your second year in the league, man. Like, I don't care. You can't interrupt a press conference. Third. You're third, your third me. year third in the year. league. Excuse me. Excuse me. You're in your third year in the league, man. I, I could care less now about it. Maybe you can say it after the press conference is over. You know what I mean? Be like, go go Tar Heels. Hey, y'all see my team? You see us? That's cool. And walk off. Interrupting yourself during the press conference after that kind of performance just completely bothered me. It so bothered me, man. I hated it. I really did. Yeah, it was – I feel like just being there in person, it wasn't as bad. Because I, I think that was the reaction a lot of fans had, which was like up in arms about how could you – be like celebrating in the midst of this <laughs> complete, mm-hmm. you know, shit show of a shooting performance. Uh, I just, the timing was just bad. Like he, he walks into the press conference with like 10 point, however many seconds left on the clock and they're up three. And it's like just a bad time for him to get on the podium. Uh, but he was there and they kind of waited a little bit and then they went up by four and he's like, okay, just ask me a few questions. And his tone was certainly not like, you know, he wasn't like jumping up and down for joy. Right. That right, they had just right. won. It was like, oh, he's not going to miss this fr- this free throw. They go up by four. Somebody asks him a question. He answers it. They ask another question. He shoots the second free throw. So it's just it was just like bad timing, but uh, definitely not the best look. Um, but you know, these guys are just like they're they don't get to be fans of their hometown teams. Like if you grow up cheering for the Bulls and then you get drafted by the Lakers, you're not a Bulls fan anymore. You know, you got to cheer for the Lakers. And I think college teams is that place where a lot of these guys can keep their fandom. And, you know, it's, it's fun to have a team to root for like that. Like, um, so I do, I don't know. I do, I do think the context there is a little more forgiving, but definitely not the best look. And, you know, especially coming off of that. Over seven. All about timing, man. Right. Uh, So, so we have Josh and everything Bulls coming to Kobe's defense in the comments. Josh Mm -hmm. saying these are human beings playing hoops for a living. Sure. I think Kobe knows he's shooting bad. Do we expect players to be in a state of depression? Uh, Humans first. Everything Bulls. I don't know why people reacted to that negatively. If he let his bad performance and bad loss affect his attitude outside the game, uh, would mean it would mean he has a weak mindset. Look. Again, that's not exactly what we're saying. We're saying yeah, that at all. after after that <laughs> performance in that game, maybe maybe pick a different moment to to talk about your college team and their success because your team is reeling and you individually are playing like doo-doo right now. So focus on what's important and what needs to be focused on. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it was just Yeah, it reminds me it man. reminds me of a coach that we had in high school that like I can't remember who we were playing, but we lost a game. And people were like joking around on the bus ride home. And he was like, you're not allowed to talk. You lost. And so we just like had to sit there in silence. <laughs> He's like, just, and like, it's obviously an extreme example, but yeah, you, that's extreme. Get both sides you get both sides of it. Our pal Hayes is in the comments saying, hopefully NC winning the title will motivate Kobe to play better. Uh, hey. he, might, he might shoot worse if they lose tonight. What what was Co- what was Kobe's best game his rookie year? The game Roy that Roy Williams. Williams came and sat at yep. the United Center. Ma- sure maybe was. that's what we need for Kobe. I don't know. Maybe that you you got a great point right there, Hayes. That is a great point because he obviously is very tied. You know what I'm saying to that school emotionally. You know what I'm saying he is definitely still tied to that school. So 
yeah, maybe that can help him out, you know, when playing at home here, man. But yeah, I'm not mad at anybody again supporting their college team, happy that they won, all that timing. stuff. It was just the timing of it, all right. In the middle of a question, in the middle of your press conference, you break out it when people are already sitting there looking like listening, like, oh man, you know, this thing. You break out it with was, that. It was kind of funny though. So, he was like answering a question and then he turned to see the score they had won. He's like, Oh, we won. Everybody clap it up. And then he just like started answering the question again. It wasn't like <laughs> jumping up and down for joy. Right. Everybody handing out jerseys. He like he like told the <laughs> reporters to clap it up for you and see. Uh, going back to this three-point shooting uh, issue at hand, and you know, I, I think he, as we, the three of us, have been watching a lot of these games together recently. What what's bothersome is the Bulls passing up open looks, and especially yeah. open looks in the corners where Kobe, Io, Javante, even DJJ when he was on the floor earlier this season were taking and making those looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and Will, you you brought up the you know percentage of total shots coming from that spot on the floor earlier, um, and, and you were right. So before the All Star break, the Bulls shot nine point three percent of their shots of their total shots from the corner three spots, and after the All Star break, that's down to just eight percent. And as you said, that may not sound like a lot, but in your column, you also provided the context of that 9.3% pre-All-Star break was the ninth most corner threes taken in the NBA in that span. 8% post-All-Star break is 24th in mm. that span. So 1.3% might not sound like that big of a dip, but when you look at where that ranks as far as other teams and how many th- corner threes they're shooting per game, mm-hmm. it's actually a significant difference. Yeah, and I think... The other factor here is that, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to be like a analytics expert to realize that like being last in the league by a significant margin is like not a good thing. You know, this is like, I mean, they're, they're shooting like 26 threes per game since the all-star break. The The next closest team is at 30. I mean, it's just like, it's not enough to win in this modern NBA. And like you, you point to the Suns who have, a very similar shot profile to the Bulls where they take a lot of mid-rangers, not a ton of shots at the rim, and not a ton of threes. That team has Devin Booker and Chris Paul. It's not just like they have DeRozan, you know? And so I think, and frankly, they're like kind of outperforming the analytics on those shots too. So it's a, a very unique situation. I think because of how good DeRozan has been, it's like kind of kept them afloat. Um one other thing I want to write about, and I probably will in the coming days, is uh, you know something Billy mentioned about offsetting some of the three-point volume concerns. And the ways to do that are not turning not turning the ball over. The Bulls are have been among the top ten in the league in turnover percentage the whole year. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other two four factors, which are basically not fouling and offensive rebounding. So I think they do a very good job of not fouling, or they did in the first half of the season. And that number has since increased quite a bit. And they're, I think, 29th or 30th in the league in offensive rebounding. So they're not even doing the things that I think they need to be able to do in order to offset some of these things. And that's why you're seeing such a dramatic drop-off in the offensive efficiency from fourth to low 20s um, over the course of 15 games. I mean, it's incredible. Mm, That's ugly. (laughs) That face right there that Matt is making, that is not fun. And the one thing I haven't seen the Bulls do uh, in a while, guys, is beat a team, you know, playing their kind of style of play, imposing their will on, on certain teams. You've seen DeMar do it, you know what I'm saying, impose his will on some teams. But the Bulls, 
were just imposing their will on teams on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball with ball movement, you know, the ball not sticking, everybody getting a touch, you know, maybe hitting those threes in the end or you end up with a mid-range shot, whatever. And on defensive end, just absolutely swarming whoever got the basketball and playing that death by a thousand cuts defense, getting that steal and running out in transition because that is actually their best thing is, is running in transition. And, and you're literally – you're literally describing Lonzo Ball as a basketball player too. Correct. It's like, not <laughs> exactly. that complicated. Correct. Like they're missing Correct. the guy who is their probably their best team defender, mm-hmm. who gets a ton of tur- turnovers, who moves the ball every time he touches it, who shoots wide open threes, mm-hmm. you know, at will. Like I mean, he's he's the highest volume three point shooter on the team. Um, maybe Zach is around the same, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. But this is what they need. I mean, they just they they can't go into these games, the, the quote from Billy that I really liked was, um, you know, being at an analytics deficit. Mm. And like I said, you don't need to be like a, a super genius, like, you know, eye test versus analytics thing, like all this stuff. But like, if you're last in the league by this much, it's not good. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're last in the league by, uh, in the category of shots that are worth three points instead of two, mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. And it's like yeah. over it's like over 10% lower than the next closest team, than the bottom of the league. And you just like you need to shoot threes in today's NBA. You just do. And yeah. they're they're shooting fewer and they're shooting worse. And so the percentage of points that they're getting on threes is just dropping off a cliff. And I think that really factors into the offense as as a whole. And even with that, Will, like even without uh Lonzo there, again, you still control your effort. And what you put forth now that's on them that's not on him they, they got to control that effort that they're putting out there and also passing up wide open threes is on them as well you know these guys especially Ayo, we've seen him do it several times just pass it up and you know turn it over or you know just miss the shot because of that reasoning those are the things that i have an issue we, we've seen that death by a thousand cuts i think one game one game i've seen it you know what i'm saying so i know they can still do it without him it just won't be as consistent without him and i get that but some of those things they can still control on their own. And I just want to see more of that, you know, more of that effort that they can put forth on their own. Charlie, yeah, was, I think it was like two weeks ago today when they played that Raptors game. That that was really for me like the last time they've really looked like themselves yeah. in terms of mm-hmm. turning turning the Raptors over, getting out in transition. Um, and that's against a playoff team. They're a really good team. Yeah. So you know yeah. they have it in them. I think that's where the frustration is coming from. Yes, correct. And if I recall, they held the Raptors below 100 points in that game, too. Mm. Defense. Uh, Charlie in the comments just a second ago saying that the ball is sticking too much with Zach and DeMar with Lonzo off the floor. Uh, You you also brought up Zach, Will. um, And and that's something that I've been wondering about recently when it comes to this team and and just like this inexcusably low volume of three-point shooting. We saw Zach come out and start firing from deep, from downtown uh, after a stretch of games where really his priority one appeared to be attacking the basket and getting to the free throw line, which obviously we all loved to see. Zach's free throw attempts, you know, flirting with or above 10 in this recent stretch of games has been great. But in that Miami game, you saw him come out and just say, I'm raining from deep. And he started three for three behind the three-point line, uh, ended up hitting five on the night with all of the ball handling that DeMar is doing, you still have Io or Alex kind of running a quasi point at times. Do you want the Bulls to try and get Zach more catch and shoot opportunities, three point shooting off the ball opportunities? Because it seems like 
most of the three-point shooting he's been doing recently, which again has come down a bit, is all him creating those looks for himself off the dribble and his step backs and his side steps. But he is a lethal catch-and-shoot threat, especially from where? From the corners. That seems to have disappeared recently, and I don't know why, and I don't like it. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. And I think one of the things that that we saw against um, I think it was in the Miami game where Zach Levine was the screener for DeMar DeRozan in a pick and roll. And he slipped right out of it and went to the the wing and just drilled a three. And I think that they're basically going to run that like every single possession in the playoffs. There's no way to stop that, right? Like if you double DeMar on that possession, Zach's standing wide open for a three. If you don't, DeMar has one-on-one and like I'll, t- I'll take my chances there too. So that is sort of an unstoppable um, offensive action that the Bulls can can go to um, pretty much, like I said, nonstop. And I do think that that Zach shooting and being such a le- lethal shooting threat there is kind of what makes it work. Um, I, I know the Bulls run a ton of those pick and rolls with Vucevic coming to screen, and that is an area where DeMar gets trapped a lot. You have the big on him, and it's kind of a hard play for him to pass out of. And so then Vooch is at the free throw line being facilitator and he's either got to go to the rim or find the shooters. And I think it's, it's hard to justify Zach just standing in the corner, but that's kind of what he's been reduced to a little bit. Um, especially when, you know, DeMar is isolating or running these pick and rolls. So I think it's, it's weird that they haven't really figured out the best way to utilize those three, because it seems like either Zach or DeMar, I'm sorry, Zach or Vooch are standing still, on the wing waiting to catch and shoot um, if they're not involved in the pick and roll action. Um, so that's a little bit concerning for me, but I, I do think Zach is, I mean, he's, he's the best three point shooter on the team by far. Mm-hmm. He should be the one that's kind of setting the tone there. And um, especially when DeMar draws so much attention, like he should be getting some open looks. And if he's not, somebody else will be like literally wide open. Any, any thoughts to add to that, Dave? Oh no, no. I think he hit it on the head right there. That's, the one thing we need to see more of. And I think it's good to see that also from Zach because, and I know you want this, Matt, to remove more of the responsibility, you know what I'm saying, from him. I know we're, we're enjoying him getting to the foul line. Trust me, nobody's mm-hmm. enjoying it more than me. And him I think that's the foul line. But that's actually, just, go, go ahead, ahead Dave, sorry. Oh, see, we're kind. We're nice. <laughs> but I, I do I do want to see that um, more because nobody likes it more than me of him getting to the line. But I do kind of, uh, Every single time he goes in there, I'm not going to lie, I say, eh, you know, a little bit because of that knee. And I'm a little concerned about it. So I do like the comfort level and the ease it brings to his game because there's nothing scores like more than scoring easy points. That's why they love free throws so much. So him getting wide open shots from the baseline on a catch and shoot, something he's awesome at. Man, it would I think it would do wonders um, for the mental health of people like my guy Matt and wonders for, you know, his scoring numbers. I was just going to say, like, the the thing that was really encouraging for me about that heat game for him, for Zach, is that it wasn't just shooting a bunch of threes and it wasn't just getting to the line every single time like it had been for the last several weeks. Like we've talked about, and I totally agree, him getting to the line is key. I mean, he needs to be able to get those free trips to the line Mm -hmm. to boost his efficiency, to help the Bulls um, just continue to, like, spray the ball out and, and get easy looks. And so... Um, when he's doing that, it really collapses the defense and he's so good at it that you kind of have to load up on him when he's also 
getting those step backs or coming off of screens and firing away. It's just so dynamic. Like, how do you, how do you guard that? And I really liked the way that he was, you know, getting to the line and shooting threes in that game. It wasn't just one or the other. And that's really, and it's kind of like a analytics-y trope of threes and free throws. But I mean, <laughs> with the way that the rest of the Bulls offense and, and the rest of the like shooters um, turning down shots and everything like that, it kind of needs to be like that. Uh, we still want to talk about Patrick Williams and whether or not we might see Billy make a late season change to that lineup. We will do that. Not so fast, Joey. I got to read the ad first. <laughs> that was just a tease. Get that money. Get that money. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, today's episode brought to you by Points Bet. If you enjoy what we're doing here at CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download that Points Bet app and use promo code CHGO at sign up. Not only are you going to get those two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, including that column by Will we were just talking about with three-point shooting. There was even more in there. More juicy tidbits, details, video breakdowns. Check it out. Plus, everybody else with that amazing written content across our team here at CHGO covering all of your favorite teams here in Chicago. Plus, you get the free T-shirt. They're out. People are starting to get them in the mail. I can't wait to get mine. They look great. Plus, you'll even get uh, access to that CHGO Discord, all of our channels for all of our teams. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can do it right from your phone, people. Sign up, register, start to finish, all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. We've got... A national championship game tonight. Don't you want to put some money on it? Sure you do. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. What do you do, Big Dave? You live your bet life. With points, bet. All right. Now hit us with that graphic, Joey. Boom. There it is. All right. So since the return from the wrist injury, the first five games back, Pete up. There you see it. Just 16 minutes per game. Not even four points on 40% and 20% slash line shooting. Not quite three boards, 0.2 blocks. And then this last three-game stretch, look at that. Billy mm -hmm. has doubled his minutes. Mm -hmm. He's mm -hmm. significantly increased his scoring. The shooting numbers are up big. Mm -hmm. The rebounds are up big, as are the blocks. Um, and a little added context to that, his field goal attempts in the first five were at four his mm -hmm. field goal attempts in that last three up to five so not a huge mm -hmm. increase but still trending in the right direction but most importantly the efficiency and what dave wanted to see the work on the boards putting mm -hmm. an imprint on these games so the big question gentlemen should billy donovan consider making a late season change and putting patrick williams into the starting lineup yeah, <laughs> you should consider it for sure. You should are you convincing that's, that's Billy or are you convincing answer. yourself? Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, that was more of a yeah. Like, yeah, I'm figuring yeah. it out. But let me talk myself right on into it. Why not? But <laughs> yes, ahead. yeah, I, I think you should consider it because that was the question you asked. You should they consider it? Yeah, they should definitely consider having him there. Um, the I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. that. Not should he consider sure. it? Should he do it? Should he do it? Thank you very much. See, I see. I pushed him into that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you should do it. The With main authority. Thing, 
The main thing, well, you give me give me authoritative question, I'll give you authoritative answer, man. That's how that wrote. <laughs> yes, they should do it. Um, Patrick Williams, it's not like he wasn't there. <laughs> Let's start there. It's not like he wasn't your starting power forward coming in. He was it. He was going to be your starting four. That's what it was going. Javante Blink Green has been great. He's played awesome. He's been amazing for this team. The only reason I think you don't start a guy who wasn't a starter is if the guy who was starting from him is leaps and bounds ahead of what you were doing. You know what I mean? What Javante was doing was amazing, but very surprising. You know what I'm saying? For his size, you know what I'm saying? For the fact he's never, ever played the position before in the NBA, we were all pleasantly surprised and, and pleasantly pleased and very happy to have him on the team. But Patrick Williams is your starting power forward. That's what he is. That is what he was brought in this season, especially to be. The key for me of, the, of that is, is what Matt said that I love so much is the rebounding. Yes, the three-point shooting. Yes, the scoring. Yes, I love the aggressiveness, the dunks that he had with not the right hand, but the left hand, ladies and gentlemen. The dunk that he had, all those things are key and important. What the Bulls are continually getting their ass whipped on is rebounding because nobody is out there and able to do that with uh, Vooch. When we see Javante get one of those offensive reboundings, we're like, wow, you know, we're proud. I don't want to feel that pride in, in, in my starting power forward. I want, I want it to be expected that you're going to get eight rebounds, bro, and you're going to get those things for us. I love how Javante plays coming off the bench as well. He plays differently to me. That, that energy that he provides is awesome for a second unit. You know what I mean? Like, that is just amazing what he can bring to a second unit when he comes in the game. Because if you remember one – I can't remember. Was it last game when he walked in and immediately got a steal? <laughs> like, immediately as soon as he walked on the floor, gets a steal, runs down the floor, gets the dunk. Those are the things I love Javante Green for. So, yes, you have to consider Patrick Williams if he's going to continue playing like this, if he's going to keep this up, along with the numbers you see as far as his shooting and things like that. But the rebounding is what's key. And so for that reason, I'm like, yeah, you got to put him in the starting lineup, I think, at some time. Yeah, I, I think I'm getting there. Um, look, if, he, if he's going to play like he did the last two games, then it's not really up for yeah. debate. Like, he's, he's not, right. the best best player for the job. Um but Javante has been coming off the bench last few games. Caruso has been starting at the four. And so it's really a question of, do you like, how do you want to manipulate those lineups? Is it sure. um, IO continues to start at point with Zach, Damar and Patrick or uh, IO comes off the bench and it's Caruso, Patrick, Damar and Zach. So I think it's, you know, it's up for debate for sure. Um, I, I think for me, like it comes back to this idea of, like, is he going to keep shooting even if he's not making them? Like, we saw those numbers mm. the last couple of games. It's like, you know, making two-thirds of his shots. Um, I think he was perfect from the floor against the Clippers. Uh, what happens if he's not making the shots? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, Billy said it. Like, it needs to be more instinctive. He needs to be doing these things on his own. It shouldn't be Billy's job to come in at halftime and say, you got to try, man. Like, you got you to gotta go out there and, like, play. You have to have a presence out there. And so when he's doing that, I think it's like justifiable to keep him in the lineup. You want him there. He's, he's the most talented. He's got the highest potential. And, um, but when he's not, I, I wonder what his impact is. And so um, I, I do think in a, in a perfect world, he is playing the way he's playing right now. And it's, it's obvious that he's the starter, um, but it's two good games and we'll see if he can build on that momentum. But, he, he just needs to keep shooting. He needs to stay confident. When he had that dunk over Hardenstein, 
I like, I mean, you're not supposed to really like cheer or anything as, as media, but I like <laughs> quietly lost my mind. I was like, did he just like attack the basket and dunk over someone with his yeah. left hand? Is this Patrick Williams right now? Like that is what he needs to be. And then you saw him get the two straight blocks on Tyler Hero with the mm. runouts and you see the potential, you see the the physical tools and the touch. And when it all comes together, it looks real good. But I think it's a, it's a mentality thing for him. And if he's, if he's there, if he's engaged and not only engaged, but like aggressive. Right. Then, oh yeah. He, he's a starter. So, well, we, so Will, think... you're saying that you had a, a moment in the bulls press box when that P-Dub dunk happened, much like big Dave and I, I watching going. the late fourth quarter and overtime <laughs> of that bulls Clippers game. While yeah, Blackhawks I, I was I doing their post. And then I just fell over. <laughs> No, it was more like this. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, in our heads, it was that when we did it. <laughs> but in reality, I don't I don't think it was. I don't think it was. But um, I, I, to, to say ahead, something babe. quickly to what you said, Will, um, if his shot isn't falling, I think that's, again, why I'm so harping on those rebounds so much. Because if his shot oh, yeah. isn't working, it shows up, it it shows up on falling, the boards, too. It bleeds into get every aspect of his game. Right. That's what I'm saying. If the shot isn't working or falling, then – I'm, I'm I'm like okay. He went two for ten or whatever. Bet. Let me go look and see his rebound numbers now. Now I need to see two for ten and ten rebounds, and and a few offensive ones. Okay, I'm like he had a bad shooting night, but he still was aggressive on the boards. So the aggression, I think you're right, doesn't need to only come from his shooting and trying to dribble, penetrate, and all those other things. But it needs to be aggressive on the defensive end and also aggressive, you know, in grabbing those rebounds. Those are the key things for me. Uh, yeah, Dean in the comments pointed out that, you know, uh, with his double in minutes in the comparing the first five games to the most recent three games, that his shooting rate has actually come down a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, shooting four shots in 16 minutes versus five shots in 30 minutes. Um, look, you know, I've and I've seen a lot more people in the comments talking about like want, want Pete up to shoot more. I saw somebody saying they wanted to get to the free throw line. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> like one thing at a time, people. Also, Zach and DeMar get to the free throw line 30 times a game. Um, but yes, ideally, it's when he finds opportunities. If it's a catch and shoot corner three, like it was that big one against the Clippers in OT, hell yeah. But also, as you said, Will, finding his spots to attack the basket um, and, and just put his force on the game that way. But I, I think I'm with Dave in that what I really, really need to see from Patrick first and foremost is competent defense and aggression on the boards. And not to say I don't want to see him trying to pick and choose his spots to score, because of course I do. But let's just like tier one priority, tier two priority, based on what this team needs right now. Um, yeah, I think that's that's a really good point and something that Mark has a has a great story coming out tomorrow. Um, not specifically about Pat, but just uh, the Bulls' defense as a whole. And I think it really highlights a couple things that. Um, that Pat needs to work on, especially um, that'll be free tomorrow on the website. So make sure to go check that out. But um, yeah, I mean, Pat right now is like, not, I wouldn't even say he's like a good defender. I would say he's like average or below average. Um, his ability to get over screens is not good right now. And I think there's, there's sort of a cascade effect when you're not able to get over a screen um, and it happens. Like it's not an easy thing to do it happens probably more often than not. But if he's not able to fight over those screens and keep the ball handler in front of him, now Vooch is in a position where he's got to guard his man and the ball handler. 
and the help side, you know, low man who's supposed to come over and help those is a six, four guard. And it's just really tough to defend the rim in that situation. So um, Pat's got to be better there. It's like a skill that he can learn for sure. It's not like that he'll never be able to, to get there. Um, but I don't think he's been the, especially the one-on-one defender that, uh, that he's sort of going to be or expected to be at this point. Uh, real quick before we get out of here, guys, the, the big question, if, if Billy does make a big swing here and insert Pat into the starting lineup, see red UK asking, uh, or, or suggesting rather take AC out of the starting lineup, start P will use Derek Jones, Jr. Give Javante more of Kobe's minutes. Um, is, is that what you guys would do if you're Billy Donovan? Do you, do you sit Caruso and give his presence back to the bench unit? Maybe the other option to look at is keeping AC in the starting unit, sliding IO back to the bench and see if maybe he can recapture some of his confidence playing against other teams, second units. Uh, and maybe that's a way he can pull himself out of his shooting slump. What, what do you guys think? If Pete up starts, who should go to the bench? I'm mm, in, in theory would like to see Alex Caruso go back to the bench. I think he provides an incredible punch off of it, but I think right now they kind of need him in the starting lineup uh, for the way he's been playing, you know, for what they need as far as defensively uh, with these guards and things. Cause usually you could, you were getting away with it with the IO because of the defense he was kind of playing, but he's kind of been, you know, lagging a little bit, you know what I'm saying on the offense and uh, the defensive end. So in, in theory, I would, I would like it to be uh, Alex Caruso, but I don't know. It's a good question. Um, Patrick Williams, I don't think would change hard a lot of the things they're doing in the starting lineup as far as rotations, I mean, are concerned. But, yeah, in, in theory, I guess I'll just say that. And I'll just say Patrick, I mean, uh, Alex Caruso. Yeah, I think Caruso is, I mean, he's obviously the better player, but yeah. I think he probably makes more sense coming off the bench. To me, the, the bigger issue is, like, always having at least two of Zach, Io. Caruso and Damar on the court at any time. And so if that means bringing Caruso off the bench, um, you know, Damar has been playing late into the first quarter with Zach and Vooch coming out early. Then you bring in Caruso and Kobe and you've got some good offense defense going on uh, with Caruso being able to make up for some of what Kobe and Damar lack on defense. And then you leave Caruso um, out there and you bring in Zach and Io again and I've got good defense offense as well. So I know Damar and I like to play together. Um, you got to get them some minutes, but I think it's more just about like who you have on the court at any given period of time, rather than like who's in the starting lineup. And then obviously mm. the closing mm. units are going to be the most important. And that game against the Clippers, it was, um, I believe Caruso, uh, Caruso, Zach, Damar, Patrick, and Vucevic. And I, I would imagine that's the closing lineup until Lonzo comes back. Or hey, we're going to wrap. Go ahead, Dave. You, can I, can I just see a shout out to, yeah, you see it. I love you. See it. Man. That's where I was you going. See it. You That's see where it. I was going. You Come see on, it. man. I got you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I got you. RW528 in the comments. I'd like to see Matt Thomas off the bench ahead of Kobe for that three point shooting. What do you think? Well, there's an idea. I mean, look, I don't know about ahead of Kobe, Thomas, but I would like to see him. Theoretically, both can shoot threes and are unplayable on the defensive end. Right now, Kobe's not hitting his threes. It sounds crazy, but there is some logic to that thought. 
Just saying. Can I, can I just say one of my favorite things about going to cover games is getting there early and watching warmups. Mm-hmm. And you see like three on three, five on five, half court stuff between the player development guys and some of the third string guys. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, Matt Thomas is a killer. He shoots every <laughs> single time and he does not miss. He's like aggressive with the basketball. He's driving, he's facilitating, and he is just scoring. He's a machine out there. So, what do you, mean? you know. I just, it goes to show it goes to show how insanely good even like the weakest NBA players are. They are Fact. out of this world good. Fact. Remember that, fans. That's right. how you criticize. Remember that. Okay, oh. Matt Thomas, you're up. Uh, <laughs> the legend. That's it. That's going to do it for today. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us. Um, those of you who are local, it's the middle of a work day. So if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, we appreciate it. Hit that like button if you enjoyed today's episode. Subscribe to our CHGO Sports YouTube channel if you aren't already. Like Big Dave told you, like I told you, sign up for that PointsBet account with promo code CHGO uh, and put in that $50 first-time deposit to have some fun and receive all the perks, including membership to us here at CHGO to get all that exclusive content, including all of Will Gottlieb's great insider info and writing on the Bulls. Uh, we will be back tomorrow, fresh. Pre-game and post-game for Bulls, Bucks. Maybe the Bulls get a W. I wouldn't mind. Uh, my Twitter mentions are going to be on fire, I'm sure. <laughs> Damn Bulls! Bulls, <laughs> Bulls and Bucks tomorrow night pre-game, 6.30 Central Time. We will see you there. In the meantime, Will is on Twitter at Won't Got Leave. Dave is at Bow, BAWL Sports. I'm at Bulls ah. underscore Peck. We are CHGO underscore Bulls. For our, the three of us and our producer, Joey, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. See you right. Be good. <laughs>